start your weekend off right. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Oh, yeah, we've made it to week one of the college football season. Week zero, that was just a little appetizer, and here we are. Full slate of action that kicked off Thursday night, which we will get to in just a moment. Kayla Canaram, not with us for week one. This is her week zero, I guess. I'm Chris Mack. He's RJ <laughs> Choppy. And uh, it, we did. We, we got uh, a week zero that, you know, served as a little tasty appetizer, RJ. But now week one, a full slate of action. A lot of big spreads in some interesting games, which I know we'll get into. Some crazy action Thursday night, which I know we'll get into. But what's the view of the college football landscape where you are in the heart of Big 12 country? Uh, well, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen uh, to the heart of Big 12 country. Uh, that is that is one of the things that, that people are kind of talking about. But, you know, the other is how does Oklahoma do without Lincoln Riley? Uh, how does Sark do in his second year uh, at Texas? Does uh, Coach McGuire improve things in Lubbock? Because, you know, that obviously is – it's not quite a sleeping giant, but it is a program that Mike Leach proved uh, can do some great things. And then, of course, this is probably the most top-heavy I've probably ever seen this sport. Because uh, you've got one team and then two teams and then a whole lot of question marks after that. Yeah, and on a national landscape, it's really the big three that everybody kind of expects to be in the playoff at the end of the day. Bama, Georgia, and uh, Ohio State. I've seen Clemson included in some of those. These guys or the the field odds for the national championship. And we'll get into those during this hour as well here on BetQLU. Um, the view from, I guess, what we would consider split Big Ten ACC territory uh, is that one conference seemingly is becoming nationwide in the Big Ten, extending all the way to the West Coast. And then you've got the ACC trying to figure out where the heck they go from here? Uh, University of Pittsburgh, obviously an ACC school. We'll get to their Thursday night game in a minute. Penn State, a Big Ten school. We'll get to their Thursday night game in a minute. Both of them were really good. But uh, the shifting landscape definitely has me wondering, RJ, as you mentioned, the Big 12. They're kind of in flux. They've reopened the media rights for negotiation to see what they can get out of it, including the four new members, but probably not accounting for Texas and Oklahoma, obviously, as their time is limited. Uh, the ACC would probably be served well to see if there's a way to rip up their deal. Meanwhile, the Big Ten yeah. is is going to be everywhere starting next fall from noon until midnight, seemingly every yeah. single Saturday. And I, I, I'm curious what your view of it is, because to me, it looks like, again, the Big Ten is trying to become sort of a coast to coast nationwide kind of product, while the SEC is trying to push back against that, but still remain within somewhat of the geographical boundaries that give the SEC its its flavor, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah, you know, and there are there are programs in the SEC that quite frankly don't have a similar culture to a majority of the SEC. Like Missouri right. just doesn't fit. You know, Missouri just doesn't fit like a uh you know culturally they're not the same. They're not they're not on the you know, they're not Alabama or, or, or Georgia or Ole Miss or, or Florida. Right. You know, like culturally, they're just a they're far different uh, uh, group. 
you know, we pride ourselves on being great at football. I'm an SEC guy. I, I went to Tennessee. We pride ourselves on being great at football, or at least, you know, not my school, uh, and then terrible <laughs> at academics. Okay? So we, we, we're like, you know, these, you know, these, these Big Ten schools that want to throw that, you know, accredited, you know, thing at you, the, uh, the, 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 these great academic universities, man, we don't care about that. We don't, we don't care about that, that stuff. You know, if, if you can, if you can get a C, uh, D for degree, whatever, and you get through yep. that, that, that's our culture. You know, our culture, we're, we're, we're a, uh, you know, our number one pastime in the South is drinking. It's our number one pastime. Uh, and, and the number two is drinking during college football games. And if, if, if that's, that's, you have to be a part of that culture. Uh, to be a member of that conference. And, and I think they are going to stick to the South in the Southeastern Conference. Like, I don't see them yeah. going north of Charlottesville, you know, for, for example. Yeah, C's get degrees. That's what I learned in my yeah. four and a half years of state-sponsored uh, drinking and partying at Penn State. So sure. I will say big the big the some Big Ten schools can hold their own. Um, and, it, it, you know, I... <laughs> I had an interesting conversation with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News the other day who wrote a really good preview column of the Backyard Brawl game, which we'll break down in just a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was talking about how this entire thing could have changed based upon the last Backyard Brawl between Pitt and West Virginia, or one of the last ones, the 13-9 to game in 2007. And two weeks later, after that upset, after Pat McAfee shanks a couple of field goals, Rich Rodriguez leaves for Michigan. And if that doesn't happen, if they win that game, if they go to a national championship game, if somehow they win it, uh, maybe a few years later when we talk about the, uh, the dissolving of the Big East, maybe we're talking about WVU somehow sneaking into the SEC and Missouri, who you made a good point of not necessarily yeah. fitting into the culture, Maybe WVU becomes an SEC team, and maybe uh, some of that conference realignment landscape that happened almost 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, changes, and we're looking at different conference realignment now, but as it stands, I think either way, we know it's all driven by the money, it's all driven by the TV deals, and it does feel like we're increasingly headed towards sort of those two mega powers, and the other three conferences trying to fight for how they fit in with the two mega powers. Look, I, I totally agree about West Virginia. Like culturally, they're a they're an SEC team. Um, oh yeah. There's, I mean, I, I went toward that school. Uh, you know, was, and there was a lot of similarities. Uh, a lot of similarities to the student bodies of of West Virginia and about about half the, the teams in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, but yeah, those the other three conferences seem to just kind of be um, in a holding pattern. Uh, I think the ACC is waiting for Clemson and Florida State to get plucked. Um, I think the, uh, I think the big 12, uh, the PAC 12 was waiting to see what the big 12 media rights deal is going to happen, uh, with ESPN and Fox. And I, I think the big 12 is kind of waiting because the big 12s, the, the, the teams of the big 12, they're, they're really screwed. Yeah. They've had a chance to leave and they all realized nobody wants, them. you know, as, as much, you know, as good as Oklahoma state's been under Mike Gundy. They don't move the needle. Right. Uh, Texas Tech, you know, if you're the SEC, you've already got Texas and Texas A&M. You know, yeah. what do you really need Lubbock for? Um, you know, so it, it really is a matter of who's going to take these. And I don't think anybody is. I think the Pac-12 and the Big 12's best option is to just join forces. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, the remnants of the Pac-12, because we don't know how many more members of that conference might get picked off by the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. We know they want to expand geographically. They've hit the West Coast. Do they want to create a West Coast division of sorts with Stanford and Cal and Washington and Oregon? Um, that's certainly, I think, probably in the back of their minds. We'll see how it plays out. That's sort of a long-term 50,000-foot view of things that we will keep an eye on throughout the season here on BetQLU, where we will spend an hour every single Friday night and Saturday morning getting you ready for that week's action. In this case, since it's week one, and we had a couple of big games on Thursday night, we've got those to break down as well. Let's kind of work our way backwards, RJ. Let's start with your alma mater, Tennessee. Huge win over Ball State. Um, Tennessee, I think, one of the more underrated teams in the SEC. I'm curious to see, I've talked to uh, one of my friends from there, Ramon Foster, who used to play for the Steelers. He's down there now in Nashville um, and is really beating the drum for the Volunteers being a lot more competitive in the SEC this year than some people might give him credit for. They That's the kind of game you want to put up in week one, beating Ball State by seven touchdowns if you really are going to be competitive. <laughs> yeah, and then you got you got Pitt next week on the road. Uh, who, right, right. You know, they had a big win. Uh, on Thursday night, but uh, you know they're they're also breaking in a new quarterback. So uh, you know, typically that that does lead to a slower start, uh, even though they you know got the win and all. But man, I, I'll tell you, you know, the the problem that that they're going to run into, that Tennessee's going to run into, is they got to play Georgia and Alabama, uh, and that's like I mean, there's you know, find a way for this team to not have two losses. I, I just don't know that you can do that. And if you can't do that, then you've got really no chance uh, unless they go to a 12-team playoff. You've really got right. no chance of making it anywhere. So, yeah, it's, it's a stepping stone, and, and that, that's a great one to have, you know, to, to, to be better this year than they were last year defensively. That's where it's going to really have to happen because their offense seems to be okay. Um, but, I mean, w- what is the future outlook? It's They're going to lose to Alabama. They're going to lose to Georgia. And if they don't lose to both of them, you're stunned. You're stunned. Like those would be stunning upsets. Yes, absolutely. Uh, The Vols 40 to one right now uh, to win the SEC. So long shots, definitely. But I know some people in Knoxville are feeling better about things and certainly than they were a year ago at this time. You mentioned Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. Uh, Backdoor cover from Central Michigan last night. Uh, The Cowboys were favored by 21 and a half. Central Michigan put a couple up late in the game. Uh, to, to make it look better than it was, 58-44. Yeah. I still question if um, if the Cowboys don't drop a bit despite, you know, it, it, you hate to drop in the polls despite a win, but you give up 44 to the Chippewas. I don't know how many people that's impressing. Oh, no, it, it's not impressing anybody. Uh, they, 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 they give up 424 passing yards. That's a, that's a lot of pass. I, I know the Big 12 has defense as optional. That is, that's a bit too much of an option right there. You cannot give up 44 points to Central Michigan. Uh, not, not a home, not a home game. Can't do that. Uh, they, they probably will drop a tag. Uh, I'm with you. I hate to see a win and then drop because at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm not in the business of style pointing wins. Right. But I know that the committee is in the business of style pointing wins. I know the AP voters, which that poll doesn't matter. Um, I know that they're in the business of style pointing wins. You know, like you get a win, you move on. Every styles make fights, all that crap. But it's a bad look. It's a bad look to give up 44 points uh, to Central Michigan. Really, especially in the first game of the season. 
Oklahoma State going to host uh, the Arizona State Sun Devils next week. All right, the two big ones on Thursday night. Let's start in West Lafayette, Indiana. Purdue hosting Penn State. Uh, anybody who's watching the this show can see the Nittany Lion on the front of my hat right now. Penn State covers the three and a half. Uh, the game hits the over 52 and a half. Uh, but the Nittany Lions 14 to one to win the Big Ten behind Ohio State, Michigan in their own division in the East and Wisconsin in the West. Um, they're not competing. I'll just put it this way. They're not competing for the East division, let alone the Big Ten conference as a whole with a six-year quarterback who's 24 years old and still making the kind of throws that led to a near-back-breaking pick six uh, that Sean Clifford made yesterday in the fourth quarter. He bounced back in that final drive just enough uh, to float one into Keevon Lee for the go-ahead game-winning touchdown. But when you've got a hot-shot freshman like Drew Allaire behind you, you better play a stronger game as a sixth-year quarterback, RJ. Uh, yes, you must. Um, and, you know, this is the interesting thing, and, and, and I think we're going to find this out. This will come to fruition as the year goes on. Uh, typically, give me the guy with the higher upside at quarterback. Right. And if that is this hot shot freshman, then let him go. Like, you've got to ask yourself, like, what is the goal this year? Is the goal to win, um, what is it, the leaders or the legends division? I can never keep up with it. Is, is the goal to win <laughs> – that division of the Big Ten, or is to win a national championship? If the goal is to win a national championship, who gives you a better chance of doing that? Like, do you want to roll out a poor man Stetson Bennett, or do you want to roll out a kid who's got a ton of upside? And I'm usually on the upside. Like, give, fail big or succeed big. That's kind of where right. I want to be. I, you know, that's what I want. Especially if you're James Franklin and you just signed a huge ten-year contract extension, you've got all the job security in the world. Right, exactly. If I had all that job security, man, I am throwing the, like, you want to win a title here, the freshman gives you the opportunity to win a title. It may not be this year. It may be next year. But getting him those valuable reps in there may help. Uh, But to me, give me the player at quarterback with the higher upside, not the safer pick. I don't want safe. I want to win big or I want to lose big. Penn State, even with a win, 1-0 now, will get a chance to sort of soft reset at home against Ohio this coming weekend. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if we had that kind of job security, we would just sit here for an hour and eat ribs and pound shiners and just occasionally talk about college football. I mean, we'd slack off, right? We'd be able to do whatever we want, RJ. Barbecue a beer. I'm slacking off now, and I don't have that kind of job security. (laughs) Uh, well, uh, imagine what I would do if I had money. That's a good point. A 10 years worth of money, too. 10-year Ten contract. 10 years. Yeah. So, um, we'll, I want to get into Pitt, West Virginia, in the backyard brawl, but I think it requires a little more time to dive into that conversation. So, we will do that in just a moment. Plus, full slate of action this weekend, week one around the country, and some bigger spreads in games involving teams who you know. So, What do we make of those bigger spreads? What spots do we like for maybe some possible upsets, some backdoor covers? Where do we suggest you lay your money? Uh, We'll get a little D-Gen on it. I know RJ's got a big old slate ready to hand you some picks for this weekend's action. As BetQLU rolls on, we've got you covered every single weekend right here on the BetQL Network.
This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. QLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Kayla will jump into the mix next weekend. In the meantime, RJ Choppy and myself, Chris Mack, with you here on a solid hour of getting you ready for the action that is in front of you on week one of the college football season. Always the longest weekend of the college football season that it usually extends all the way out through Monday night. And we will talk about that game on Monday night, Clemson, Georgia Tech, in just a few moments, as well as some of our other best bets and favorite plays 
for this weekend in just a couple of moments. But let's rewind to the beginning of the weekend, RJ. And let's start with the backyard brawl. West Virginia and Pitt, first time they had met in 11 years, a rivalry that's been contested well over 100 times, a rivalry that has some great moments in it, uh, punctuated by the 2007 game in Morgantown where Pitt beat West Virginia on a couple of missed field goals by Pat McAfee. Um, And it, it, it really is, again, I'm biased because I'm in Pittsburgh, even though I'm a Penn State guy and I don't really have a dog in this fight, um, it is one of the great rivalries and one of those rivalries that I saw a lot of people mention we really wish we should, we, we, we could have on a yearly basis, regardless of conference affiliation. You know, you think of some of the other ones. The last time we saw Texas and Texas A&M, for example, down in your neck of the woods, and I, I grew up in Texas for a little bit, so I'm well aware. I had a second grade teacher that tried indoctrinating us into Gigam Aggies and all that. So, you know, it, it's those rivalries that everyone loves that I, that when we do finally get them and we get a great game, like we got Thursday night between Pitt and West Virginia, you you really do get a chance to see what exactly it means for college football. I, I, I a thousand percent agree. Um, look, college football without rivalries, you know, and that, I think that we're, I think we're going to see this when you know, we lose the conferences and it goes to basically two super conferences and they try to turn this into a glorified version of the NFL or poor mm-hmm. man's version of the NFL. College football without rivalries is just a lesser brand of football than the national football league. That's all it is. It's, 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 it's you know, why is the XFL not going to succeed? Cause it's bad quarterback play, right? Right. It's bad football. Well, if you make college football, this is my biggest complaint with it with, with the expansion. If you try to make college football like the NFL, the all you're going to get is bad NFL football. That's all you're going to get. You're going to get a lower quality version of the NFL. What makes it so great now is pageantry, rivalries, fan bases. Uh, every game is a must win because there's no playoff. I mean, you're going to lose all that. And I think that you lose that with Pitt, West Virginia. You lose that with. You know, if you know, obviously, fortunately, Florida, Florida State still play. You know, but Florida, Miami doesn't play every year. Florida State, Miami doesn't play every year, or at least they didn't for a while. Um, you know, West Virginia Pitt, uh, Clemson, South Carolina, Texas, Texas A&M. You know, what's going to happen with uh, USC, Stanford? Uh, right. You know, with, you know, so there's those. And then when Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten or whoever they go to, you know, what's going to happen to their game against Stanford? What's going to happen to their game against Michigan uh, if they go to the ACC, for example? Um, these are all questions, and I think this is going to be a problem for the sport because without the rivalries, without the without the the intrigue of the fan bases, you know, all it is 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 just a lesser quality football than the NFL. And I, and to me, and I'm a huge I like college sports more than the NFL, but if all all things are the same, I'm going to watch the better brand of football. Yeah, it, you're right. It turns it into minor league football, like you said, the XFL or the USFL or what, whatever second-tier leagues have tried to get started in the last couple of years. As for the game itself on Thursday night, apart from the rivalry, what we did get were two very different head coaches, I thought. Um, Pat Narduzzi, after the game, going after Scott Van Pelt and ESPN live on SportsCenter by saying, I can't believe you guys put out a graphic that said our stadium would be 75% West Virginia fans. 
Now, granted, Morgantown and Pittsburgh are only 75 miles apart, but he didn't take kindly to that. He let ESPN know. And I, I thought it was a bit cringy, but at the same time, Pat Narduzzi's sticking up for his team and his fan base. Yeah. It, it, college football coaches are like politicians. They play to their base. And that's what Pat Narduzzi was doing on SportsCenter postgame last night. On the other hand, you have Mr. Milktoast Neil Brown, who has never met a 6-6 six and six, uh, standing he didn't uh, and result he didn't like. Um, Neil Brown uh, would absolutely love to just kind of get by, I think, and not have anybody notice the fact that West Virginia is now uh, underperforming to the standards that they did set 10 and 15 years ago under Rich Rodriguez and then later uh, Dana Holgerson, at least the start of his tenure. And it showed through in that opportunity just on the other side of the field, uh, on Pitt's side of the field. They've got an opportunity fourth and inches, quite literally inches, fourth and less than a Mm -hmm. foot, six and a half minutes left. He's got an opportunity, if he gets the first down there, to run a few more minutes off the clock, kick a field goal, make it a two-score game, and put Pitt in a really tough situation. Instead, he, uh, to paraphrase Mike Tomlin, lives in his fears and decides to punt on fourth and inches. Uh, Pitt ends up driving, scoring. Then you get the pick six back the other way on the next drive. And Mountaineer fans, uh, the ones that were at least in attendance, and I'm sure the ones that were watching at home, go home crying in their beers because their head coach just, I don't know, he he, he lost his guts. I, I, I can't think of a better way to put it. Yeah. He had an opportunity to put the game away and just didn't. I, you know, when you when you have a coach that refuses to, you know, play aggressive, so that you're going to get bit. Um, the, the 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 faster coaches look at punts as turnovers, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. The better off we're all going to be, you know, a, a punt and a turnover. What's the difference? Twenty yards of field position in a passing world. I mean, that's that's nothing. That's that's what three one plays, play. right? One series, yeah. Maybe 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 one play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe one play. Uh, so, like, do, do you really want to pass the ball back? You want to put the ball back to them? Do you want to hand it over to them? No, I don't. I mean, right. the best way, you know, possession possession is the number one thing. Possession is more important than time on the clock. It's more important than anything. If you've got possession of the football, the other team, very difficult for them to score. The moment you give it back to them, you're playing a dangerous game, a very dangerous game. And, and like, these conservative coaches – Man, unless you've got Nick Saban's defense and talent and stars on the other side of the field, you know, you better watch out. And and on a night when they were averaging to that point six and a half yards a carry, West Virginia was. I mean, they were shoving it yeah. down Pitt's throat um, to not just simply line up and do it one more time, especially, I, I want to say, a series or two after their quarterback had simply snuck into the end zone for a touchdown. So Pitt outlasts West Virginia in the backyard brawl. Uh, West Virginia covers the seven and a half, which is what it hit late. If you were uh, lucky like this guy who has two thumbs and is pointing at himself right now uh, and uh, got it at six and a half uh, a week or two ago, then you got uh, you, you you got out of there alive. Over 50 and a half hit as well. Pitt, eight to one to win the ACC behind Clemson, Miami, and NC State. Clemson and NC State in the Atlantic Division of the ACC. Miami and Pitt in the Coastal Division. Pitt and Miami meeting the final week of the regular season. Clemson and NC State meeting, I want to say it's week seven uh, of the regular season. Those may function sort of as two de facto semifinal games, if you believe the odds makers. 
for the ACC Conference Championship game, which Pitt will try to defend their crown if they can get there uh, in early December. But when I look at this conference, RJ, I don't know what your feelings are on it. My number one, I don't know if you want to call it a hot take, uh, a freezing cold takes, that Twitter account wants to save this off and throw it back at me in uh, four months when I'm proven wrong. (laughs) I I am out on Clemson. And what I mean by that is, look, could they be good? Could could they have a, a 10 or 11 win season? Certainly, I think they could. But for my money, DJ Uingalele is exactly what we saw last year, which is inconsistent and up and down. I realize he played through some injuries last year, and that may not that may not be fair to him. But that's my assessment of it. And I think NC State is the team out of the Atlantic. I I, I still do think, despite Thursday night's performance, Pitt is the team in the Coastal Division. If Keaton Slovis can figure some things out at quarterback, he didn't really feel pressure well, didn't really climb the pocket well. Um, but that could be week one rust. We'll see. Um, I really like NC State in the ACC. And Clemson, I think I'm out on, which is why it kind of leads right into Monday night's game, the long weekend week one finale, Clemson against Georgia Tech in Atlanta at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta, and Clemson laying anywhere between 22, 23 and a half, depending on where you find it, Uh, the total at 51. I I have no problem. Georgia Tech uh, wins six games this year, maybe. Six, maybe seven. I have no problem, though, in that atmosphere, in that environment, given the fact that I think Clemson is entirely too overrated this year, uh, taking Georgia Tech and more than three touchdowns. Well, I mean, more than three is a lot. That's a, that's a lot. I, I, I have no problem taking that either. I, I'm, not, I'm with you uh, on Clemson. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of DJ. I, I'll say this, though. I mean, everything you read, that defense is going to be legit this year. You know, and, you know, we, we've seen this. You know, defense in the NFL is, is pretty unstable, but in college football, it's a talent, it's a talent-based business here uh, as much as anything. Right. And they're going to have a talent advantage uh, at every position on the field in just about every game they play, the exception of a couple of games, and maybe with the exception of quarterback at certain ones. Uh, I, I think we don't know what's going to happen with Hartman and how long he's going to be out at Wake. Uh, they're, they're another team that, you know, if, if he's there, I like them. But the problem yeah. is we just don't know. We don't know when he's going to be uh, when he's going to be ready to play. There's the ACC to me is wide open. Wide open. I could see Pitt. I could see NC State. I could see Wake Forest, depending on uh, Hartman. Uh, and I could see Clemson. I could see Clemson winning that thing. NC State, for what it's worth, 7-1 to one to win the ACC if you're looking for conference winners. Uh, and division winners, uh, they are right behind Clemson to win that Atlantic division at 4-1 to one, Clemson, minus 220. Uh, I have one other game this weekend that I am really high on keeping an eye on, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I know you've got a full slate. I was looking at this earlier. Your, your D-Gen picks for this week, you've got – what would happen if I parlayed all eight of these? Have we figured out what the odds would be on that? Ooh, I don't know the odds on that. I can, I can find <laughs> it right now. I can go yeah. to my account right now and see what we can do. So, give me a minute or two. I can make that. Yeah, happen. so h- here we go. Um, I'll vamp for you and read off the plays that you listed earlier this morning while you look that up. We've got Middle Tennessee State getting six. 
We've got Buffalo getting 24, Kent State 23, Florida getting three, uh, Florida money line at plus 125, Nevada yeah. money line minus 115, uh, Oregon, Georgia under the 53 with that Bulldog defense, and Arkansas minus six and a half. Those are RJ's, uh, that's RJ's slate of picks from earlier this morning that I saw you post on Twitter. If we punch all eight of those into the RJ Choppy parlay play machine, what kind of wild odds would we come up with? Man, I am, uh, I'm still coming up with these uh, <laughs> in terms of, there's so many games. There's a million games here uh, to, to pick. So I'm, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Okay. Uh, but yeah. The, the one, the, can, I, can, can I tell you the one that jumps out to me because it's the other game I was going to mention anyway. Uh, is Florida-Utah. Because in my opinion, this Florida-Utah game, the entire college football season, and I mean the playoff, multiple conference championships, all hinge on the first domino that falls in that game. And what do I mean by that? If Utah can go to Gainesville and beat Florida, that puts Utah in the driver's seat for the Pac-12. Yes, yes, they will have to get past Southern Cal. I know. But they play each other, and they've got an opportunity. They may have to beat USC twice. They may have to beat them once in the regular season and then again in the conference championship game. But beating Florida week one will instantly give them a leg up on Southern Cal if those two should end up in any sort of neutral situation, at least barring anything else crazy happening. And if Florida should beat Utah, it somewhat paves the way, I want to say, for Southern Cal, assuming they don't trip up twice against Utah. And it really inserts Florida heavy into the SEC East picture then, which, look, are they one of the elites in the SEC East? No, but certainly it feels like Florida is on their way back just a bit from where they were just a few years ago when they bottomed out under Dan Mullen. And so that, I think, is the most interesting game of the weekend, Florida-Utah, mm-hmm. because that is the first domino that falls, and from there, everything else plays out. It uh, it looks like, oh, a 16, a, a, the, the seven-bet <laughs> parlay, seven-bet, yeah, is plus 40,000. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm jumping $10. on the RJ, RJ Choppy parlay train. I'm hitting big, and I'm putting the kids in college with no worries. I love it. Let's do it. Let's Let's do do it. it. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Chris Mack. We come back. We talk about some futures for this 2022 college football season. That on the way on BetQLU right here on the BetQL Network. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla. Here on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
back to BetQLU with RJ Choppy, Chris Mack, and Kayla Canaram on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Yes, we are live coast to coast on the BetQL Network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. That's how you get BetQLU every Friday night and Saturday morning. We spent an hour getting you ready for that weekend's action. It's week one of the college football season. We've touched a little bit on how the long week one weekend got started with the Thursday night game, some of which were crazy dramatic, instant classics in some cases. And we've touched just a bit on some games we've got an eye on for the rest of the weekend. We'll get into futures in just a moment. Teams we like for national championship odds, conference winners uh, in just a moment. I am Chris Matt. Kayla Canaram will join us next weekend. I'm alongside RJ Choppy. And RJ, we've got a, a, a six-pack of games here that producer Zach laid out for us. You and I both intimately aware with how to work our way through a six-pack, I think. So yeah. let's do that right now. And let's start with uh, Oregon, Georgia. 17-and-a-half-point uh, spread on this thing Saturday afternoon. Total is at 52-and-a-half. I think Oregon's going to be good this year. I'm not. I don't think they're going to be. It's going to be one of the best Oregon teams uh, of all time. I, I just. I have no reason to bet against Georgia here, even at 17 and a half. I'm not messing around with that. I know you mentioned earlier you like the under, and I think we're going to ride with you on that. Yeah, I like the under in this one. Um, I don't know how much Oregon's going to be able to score uh, on Georgia. I also don't know how much Georgia's going to score. Period. Uh, I, I, I was, I know they won the title last year, but you know, their quarterback is, is not one of these guys that's going to go out to and win you a game. He's just going to be a very safe player. I think the unders the play. Um, uh, I don't have a great feel on the spread for this one, but I also think, you know, we look back to last year, Oregon pulled what I believe the upset of the year at Ohio state. Right. I, I don't think there's much I – don't, I don't know that I would come up with a secondary option of the upset of the year. Um, I can't think of one. That said, you know, can they do that two years in a row? Travel across country again, you know, Atlanta, all that stuff. So, I don't have a great feel on the spread, but I think this is a much more low-scoring game that, we, that we're going to give it credit for. Yeah, and fascinating to see how Dan Lanning handles the uh, return to the state yeah. of Georgia – to face his former Bulldogs, who he was D coordinator for and won a national championship with. Cincinnati at Arkansas. Uh, this a six point spread. I know you're on the uh, you're on the Hogs here, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, new quarterback breaking in for uh, for Cincy. Uh, no more sauce. They got no more sauce there either. That was a great right. team they had last year. They're gonna you know they'll pick it up. They, they're gonna have they're gonna have a good team again. But you know Sam Pittman has done a great job covering spreads at Arkansas. They're a team that is definitely on the rise. They're they're not uh, make no mistake about it. They're not going to compete for the SC West. You know they're 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 undermanned, but they are a more talented team than Cincinnati. And I, and I wonder, you know, how many Cincinnati players, you know, would start at Arkansas. Um, you know, that's a question I got to ask myself: is, is how many of these guys would start? Uh, I think Arkansas wins by you know more than six and a half. Utah, Florida, uh, we've touched on already. I know you like the home dog, the Gators, getting points in Gainesville. 
Uh, we were talking during the break. I, I really like Utah this year. I talked earlier about how I think this is the first domino that kind of sets us off on the uh, college football playoff path as well as the Pac-12 title path. I like Utah on the road. I just I, I think they're the team to beat in the Pac-12 in all honesty. Not that I don't believe that, again, Florida could be strong in the SEC East, but this is... If you can't get the Utes ready for this one, going on the road, Gainesville, week one, it's going to be an uphill battle the rest of the year. I think they come in prepared, focused, ready to go, and I think they do knock over that first domino of setting them down the path of a Pac-12 title with a win in Gainesville. I think they definitely are the team to beat uh, in the Pac-12. I'll say this. Cross-country flight or those games where you're – Way out of your element, uh, you know these college kids. These are eighteen, nineteen-year-old kids, or right. sometimes making their first start on the road. And, and name me the Pac-12 stadium that they've played in that remotely <laughs> resembles what they're about to deal with in Florida. Yeah, uh, that is, is a it? difficult place. It's a tough place to be a fan of the other team there. <laughs> I know that firsthand. Right. Yeah. Okay, imagine it is. That is one of the crazy environments uh, in the sport. Now, maybe it's changed in the 20 years since I've been there uh, where it doesn't have that same you – know, I, I, I have a feeling that fans in general are just more preoccupied now during the games than they were. I don't think stadiums are necessarily as loud as they may have used to be, but uh, that is a brutal place to play. Dude, is it going to be hot? It is yeah. going to be hot down there. And that's, 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 a, that's a lot to deal with in the fourth quarter. Yeah, even even with the 7 o'clock kickoff, you're right. That is a huge part of that game. Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish. Back to Columbus for Marcus Freeman in his head coaching debut. This one fascinating to me. I think Ohio State's going to be very good this year. I don't want to say they'll run away with the Big Ten East because Michigan's still there, and there's always a chance that Penn State will get their stuff together. Uh, 17, though, is a really big number against a Notre Dame defense that I really like. And to be quite honest, I don't know. I've got to see more from the quarterback position before I'm sold on the fact that this guy's the guy for the, for Notre Dame. I want to, I want to, I want to point this out. Mm -hmm. Las Vegas is telling you that the difference between number two and number five is, let's see. Uh, do a math here six times greater than the difference between number seven and unranked. Hmm. Hmm. Do the math. So Utah is a three point favorite over unranked Florida. And number two is 17 over number five. So the difference between two and five is, is almost six times greater than the difference between seven and unranked. That tells you the have-have-nots of this sport. You're absolutely right. So does it make sense? Would you lay the 17? Or is this this a stay away for me? Stay away. I'm staying away. Uh, Notre Dame is, I mean, they're they're talented. But we don't know. I know nothing about their coach. I know nothing about Fred. I have no idea what kind of coach he is. Apparently, everybody loves him. That's all I know. All I know is everybody loves this dude. Because when Brian Kelly left, Notre Dame was basically pressured by media fans. Go hire this guy. I don't even right. really have a don't even really have a, a a true search for the next coach. Just go hire him because everyone seems to love him. 
So, but I have no idea what kind of coach he is. Is he a good coach? Is he a moron? Is he a aggressive clock management? Is he a passive? Is he, is he conservative? Is he, does he go for it on fourth downs? I have no book on him. I do know Ohio State, and I do know they've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I do know their coach is, you know, an illegitimate coach, and uh, that they're a monster of a, of a program. Yeah, you make a good point about Freeman. I mean, he may be learning some of this stuff about himself on the fly, and he certainly is going to be learning about his quarterback, Tyler Buckner, on the fly as yeah. well. Florida State, LSU at the Superdome. Uh, this one, a three-point game. Florida State, I just don't know what to make of them. They had a walkover in week zero against uh, the Duquesne Dukes. And to be honest, they didn't, I think it was like a 49-point, 39-point spread. They didn't cover it. Uh, So um, I don't know, even getting three on the road. Look, I think Brian Kelly may end up being a miserable failure at LSU because I just don't think his personality jives with the SEC. But... I don't think they fail to beat LSU by more than a field goal. Yeah, I, I don't know that they do. I, I'm with you on Brian Kelly. Um, he's he. There is no doubt that he is a fantastic coach. Uh, there's always been a fit issue when it comes to certain places, and LSU, I think, is that one place where you got to fit. You got to really fit to make it work. Nick Saban didn't fit, but he made it work somehow. I think we right. know that he's just different, right? I think we know that he is just different. Uh, Coach O definitely fit. He didn't make it work, though. <laughs> he won a title. He won a title, but he didn't really make it work. LSU's a fickle spot. It's a fickle fan base. Uh, I, I, you know, do they do they take somebody, you know, a, a Yankee, an outsider coming down and 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 you know, telling them how to how to run their operation? I don't know how they make it work, man. Uh, so I don't know what kind of a fit Brian Kelly's going to be there. And then Clemson, Georgia Tech, we talked about earlier. I'm out on Clemson this year. That is a big spread for uh, a rivalry game of sorts in the opener. Clemson, Georgia Tech at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. 22 is too much for me because I'm not convinced on Clemson. Uh, But Georgia Tech is not going to be very good this year. Like I said, maybe a six-win team, maybe seven if everything falls into place the right way for them. But I'd be willing to take the 22 and lean on Georgia Tech. Yes, I, I, I would too. I don't. I don't think they win this game. I don't think Georgia Tech no. wins this game. But I am going to absolutely, uh, you know, lean on the Georgia Tech side. I don't know that Clemson can score enough. You know, I, right. their their offense last year was abysmal at times. I don't now. Now Georgia Tech's nothing special. They don't have the defense that Georgia has uh, by any stretch. But we saw Clemson disappoint week after week after week last year. They still somehow won like 10 games. I don't know how they did it. Right. They squeaked by a lot of them, but I'm with you. I'll side with Georgia Tech in that spread. All right. Odds to win the national championship from Bet MGM. Bama, the favorites, plus 190. Ohio State, 320. Georgia, the defending champs, 350. Then you drop down to Clemson at 12 to 1 and USC at 20 to 1. Um, I don't know if I have a singular favorite. I I like Ohio State, um, but the the bet that I think I like the most, to be honest, I think this is going to be a crazy year. I do. I think we'll have at least one, if not two, maybe even three teams in the playoff that no one's thinking about right now. So I like one of those Bama, Georgia, Ohio State versus the field bets that you can get at like plus 270 uh, for the national championship. 
Because I think we get something crazy different this year, RJ. Okay, so you don't think either any of those three win the title? No. I, I think we get something crazy off the board this year. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, could have an A&M. Could have Texas. I, I love USC at 20 to 1. You know, Lincoln Riley, I mean, you know, if, if he gets it going on with his offense, that's something that a lot of those teams aren't prepared for. They haven't seen it. Uh, that might be a decent bet at 20 to 1. Keep it locked here all weekend. All your five star bets at BetQL. And bring it back next weekend when we get you ready with another hour right here on the BetQL network of BetQLU. This is BetQLU with RJ, Chris, and Kayla here on the BetQL network presented by BetMGM.